Have you thought about what you want people to think, say, and feel about your brand? Have you thought about your marketing budget and how you really don't even have one? Well, today's guest is going to solve the marketing problem for you. The answer is PR. It's free and you can absolutely do it for yourself. After listening to this interview with KJ Blattenbauer, you will have all the tools you need to create a killer PR plan, save money, and control what people say, think, and feel about your brand, as well as drive business. And guess what? It gets even better. KJ has generously offered to send one lucky listener a copy of her book, How to Be a Media Darling. All you need to do is listen to the episode and leave a rating and review. So simple, and it will only take you a few seconds. Be sure and screenshot your review and tag us on Instagram in your DMs so that we can put your name in the drawing. Now, a little bit about KJ. KJ Blattenbauer is a publicist and author with nearly 25 years of experience helping entrepreneurs and influencers get more attention and learn how to do their own PR. Her expertise has been featured on Entrepreneurs on Fire, PR Daily, Inc., Entrepreneur, USA Today, and more. It's quite a lineup. I'd say she's an expert. KJ's new PR book, How to Be a Media Darling, is a step-by-step guide on how to get your own publicity and is now available on Amazon. Her dress line, Vive and Joe, which we'll learn more about during the episode, will launch summer 2020. I'm so excited to bring KJ to you today. I'm not even kidding. When you are finished listening to this episode, you will have everything you need to create a great PR plan for your business and your brand. So listen in and be sure you've got your notebook and pen ready because you're going to want to take notes. Enjoy. Are you looking for unique gifts for the special women in your life? Moms, sisters, friends? The second phase Etsy shop was created with gift giving in mind. Visit the shop to purchase beautiful note cards for every occasion that after your special someone reads the personal note from you, they can put the card in a simple frame to display in their home. A gift that keeps on giving. The second phase features my original art photography that I personally selected for you. Another great gift idea is a journal. These journals are beautifully crafted with sturdy covers with my fine art images on them. We created the pages lined on one side and blank on the other for those who like to doodle, write in free form, or draw as part of their journaling practice. At the second phase, we believe in creativity as a tool for living a purposeful and meaningful life and want to share our creations with you. Our products are great for teacher gifts, Mother's Day gifts, birthday gifts, and just little happy gifts and inspiration. Are you feeling extravagant and want to treat yourself to some art? Check out our beautiful line of fine art prints. They help any room in your home feel special. To access the Etsy shop, visit my website, www.robingrahamphotography.com forward slash shop. Or you can go straight to Etsy and just search the second phase. But keep in mind, there are no spaces. The second phase is all together. We hope you enjoy the shop and all of the products we've created, especially for you. 
friends, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm Robin Graham, your host, and a brand marketing strategist and photographer passionate about helping women connect and grow their audience and get more clients. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about branding, personal development, and life overall in this second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build the business from the ground up when I was actually terrified to put myself out into the world as something new. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive into a new episode. KJ Blattenbauer, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. Thank you for having me. I am absolutely thrilled to have you here. We have a great topic to discuss today, public relations, AKA PR. And I can't wait to dive into this because it's a subject I should say is near and dear to my heart, but also kind of makes my heart faint. So (laughs) (laughs) I guess I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. So I'm, I'm really excited to dive into it and learn more from you. And I am excited to introduce you to my listeners so that they too can learn more about PR and have a better understanding of how they can market themselves without spending an arm and a leg to do so. Well, I'm excited to talk all things PR and chat with your audience and chat with you today. Well, I'm glad. Thank you. And so with that being said, will you tell us just a little bit about you and um, who you are as a person and what you do for a living and all that good stuff? I, I, I'm happy to. It's always a little intimidating when people are like, tell me who you are as a person. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> um, today you know, I am. <laughs> today I am. And then there's always a blank or one of those, um, like when you're at the hospital and they have the smiley faces and you just pick what on the pain scale you are. Yeah. <laughs> today I'm the happy smiley face. Uh, my name is KJ Blattenbauer. I am a publicist with almost 25 years of experience um, helping big brands, small brands, startup side hustles get more attention. But what I'm most known for is that I actually help small business owners and entrepreneurs learn how to do their own PR. Um, I, when I started out in the agency world, working with big brands, we could charge big bucks. When I went to corporate, I learned that you didn't want to pay big bucks. And then I saw my friends doing side hustles and their small businesses and realized they can't pay big bucks at all, but those are the heartbeat of America. And you need to promote them more than you need to promote a big corporation. And so I saw an opportunity there. Um, and about eight years ago, I started my own agency solely to help mom and pop shops, startups, entrepreneurs, small businesses, and brands get their message out. Because I think if you're not promoting what you're doing, if you're not sharing your passion with the world, no one's going to do it for you. You can't just hang up a brick and mortar sign or put up a website and have people magically appear. It doesn't work that way. You have to get out there and promote yourself. And if you can't pay someone to do it, you need to learn to do it yourself. I saw so much misinformation out there. I wanted to put the real way to do PR out there. And so I've been working on doing that ever since. My favorite thing about what you just said, well, there's a couple of them, but the most favorite thing I think is that you were doing what you were doing, but you saw a necessity 
and made a business out of that necessity. So you knew you could solve a problem for other people. And so you started a business based on your ability to solve that problem. And I think that at the root of it is what entrepreneurship is. Right. No, I think, yeah, you find the pain point and then you find the solution for the pain point because otherwise, otherwise, who are you serving and how are you serving them if you're not giving them what they need? Yeah, exactly. So KJ, tell us a little bit about what PR is. Sure. PR is one of the best ways to build your brand and get the word out about your business um, because it's the art of convincing an audience. And this is an audience that's outside of your normal circle of influence to just promote your idea, purchase your product, support your position, or recognize you as an expert. It can include press releases, media pitches, blog posts, appearances on podcasts like this one, you know, working with influencers, holding special events, uh, publicity publicity stunts um, when they work well. But what it's not is it's not advertising. It's not advertorials or paid placements or um, anything where you have to pay to be featured in something. And PR is not deceptive. You know, it gets a really bad rap sometimes. Um, You know, like, oh, the PR person or this PR crisis or this PR ploy. But anytime someone's talking about you word of mouth wise, it's putting yourself out there. And while I don't subscribe to the theory that all publicity is good publicity, because I'm from a small town, so I know it doesn't work that way, um, (laughs) I think that you definitely can control the narrative around your brand. You just have to be prepared, proactive, and strategic about it. And that's what PR is. So the benefits of PR are multifold, but one is that it can be very inexpensive to no cost at all. Yes. Or, or, and it is something that you can control the narrative for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's how you want people to think, talk, act, and feel about your business or your brand or you as a person. So your kids are PRing you all day long, right? They want you to think they've cleaned their room. They want you to think that they've done their chores, whether they have or not, you know, they, your daughter wants you to think she's leaving the house in the outfit that she's wearing, but really she's got a secret plan to change into something not appropriate once she leaves, you know, like that's just how teenagers are. But you know, it's all, when you want to go, when I want to go buy something super expensive for the house, I'm buttering up my husband and I'm trying to persuade him in a way that makes him think that his idea that we want to buy this very expensive Oriental rug we do not need that he would have never thought of on his own. Um, you can use PR in a variety of ways. You can use it if you're working at a corporation and you want to keep showing your boss all the great things you're doing. That's promoting yourself. And you can use it if you're a small business owner. You want people to come get takeout at your restaurant. Be promoting how good your dishes are. Showcase all the people ordering from you. You know, Share on social media stories all the deliveries you did that day. You know, Make people want to be a part of what you're doing. Oh, I love that. Make people want to be a part of what you're doing. That's a great way to put it. I love that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the steps to building a PR plan because we have a business and we know PR is important, but where the heck do we start? Well, I think you first have to get clear on your messaging, right? Your key messages. What do you want people to think, talk, and say about your brand, right? If I was talking about you and your podcast to someone, would you want me to just be like, oh, Robin has this podcast. It's about second phases. You should check it out. That's not really convincing. That's not really compelling. That doesn't say anything about you or how right. great your podcast is. But if, 
you had coached me and I had seen on your social media or in your materials or on your blog or heard on the podcast, you saying the same thing over and over again, like, this is my podcast. It's about second phases and finding what moves you. You know, it's about shifting gears. It's about not being worried about starting whatever. If you position how you want me to word of mouth convey you to other people and you keep repeatedly saying that to me, then I'm going to repeatedly say it to others. So it's always good to listen to your friends explain your stuff because you can, like if I had a clothing store, my friend Sally said, oh yeah, KJ has this clothing store. She sells women's clothes. Okay, well that's not really good. But then if Sally, if I heard Sally say to someone else, KJ has a clothing store and she always has the hottest brands and the cutest tops. I get the best stuff there. You have to check it out. Obviously the second one's more convincing. And if I keep saying that to Sally, that's how I get her to say that to other people. So when you have your key messages dialed down and I'm talking, you know, normally I think people say three to five, I'm more of a three to four, but really just three key messages. Here are the three things I want people to take away from every interview I do, every article, every social media post, every blog post. This is the three things I really want people to know about what I'm doing or my brand or my business all the time. I think that that's the first thing you need to do. You need to get crystal clear on it. So you're going to use that in your blog posts on your website. When you network in person and talk to people, um, you know, on social media, in profiles, in interviews, you're always going to have your key messages in there. And you eventually flesh those out into like paragraph form, 50 words, 100 words, 150 words, whatever the new bio restrictions are. And you make that into an elevator speech. You should be able in 30 seconds or less, be able to give your spiel on who you are. Just like when I gave my introduction here, here's who I am, here's what I do, here's my history. Here's why you should care, you know, but it also sets the parameters for here's who I am. Here's what I do. Here's why I'm not a fit for you and why you shouldn't care. If you're not a small business owner or a brand or an entrepreneur, you might not care what I have to say. And that's cool because then I'm not wasting your time. You're not wasting my time. So I, I believe in propelling and attracting, but I think you need to be very clear on what you can offer and who you can offer it to. So key messages, flesh that out into an elevator speech. And then from there, I think you need to start looking at your media list, right? Um, who, who your target audience, because you need to be clear in your target audience, right? It can't be every female from age 20 to 60, like a little broad. Let's get a little more narrow. So I think you niche down and figure out who your target audience is, and then you survey them, do the research. What are they reading? What are they watching? What are they listening to? Those are media outlets, whether you like them or not, that should be fitting your brand. And if they're not, then maybe something else is out of alignment. You might want to go research that. But I think you need to ask your target audience, what media outlets are they paying attention to? Those are the ones you want to be in. Because it doesn't really do you any good to be on podcasts if your people are only reading blogs. Mm -hmm. Just like if you're trying to get on your local TV station, but all your people are on podcasts, or, or your target audience is only paying attention to podcasts, you're wasting your time. So I think it's making a media list. And it doesn't have to be lengthy. But I would say start with 10 to 25 media outlets because you're going to spend time writing a pitch, personalizing it for those people, sending it out to them, and following up. And that can easily take hours of your time just for 25. So now what is it that you're, when you're talking about this, so we've identified our key message, which we're yep. converting into an elevator pitch, elevator pitch. And we can use that elevator pitch when we're networking, we can use it on our website, we can use it in our bios on social media. 
So that elevator pitch is going to be key in so many areas. And the one thing that you said as well is that clarity of who our target audience is. And I talk about clarity a lot from a branding perspective, because if you are not clear on what you do, why you do it, how you do it, and the problem you solve for people, the people that you want to hire you aren't going to find you because they're not going to know that your messaging is directly geared towards them. So clarity is so important. The elevator speech is so important. But now when you're talking about identifying these media outlets and then pitching to them, what are we telling them? Are we telling them our elevator pitch? Are we telling them about a product that we have? Or are we answering questions that we are being proactively assuming that they might have? Like what, tell me what we're going to put in those pitches. Sure. Well, I think once you identify who your target audience is, and then you identify what media outlets they're paying attention to, you need to do a little bit of research on those media outlets. What are they covering? What are the headlines that they've been featuring? What beats do their reporters cover? What does a reporter that covers the beat or industry that you're in, what have they been writing about lately? Then your pitch, you make it about them, right? So my initial pitch, if I had never pitched before and say I had a fruit company and I wanted to pitch a publication that promoted fruit company or had a food niche to it, I'd write to their food editor or nutrition editor or whoever covers kind of the retail space I'm in. And I'd just be like, hey, I've been following your column. Um, for a while or quite some time, you know, I love your most recent article because I would have read their most recent article. And then I pick one or two things about their recent article that resonated with me. And I said, I walked away with such great appreciation for this particular point. And I would word for word, take that sentence and put it in there. So you know what you're talking about. And then I'd turn it back to me and I'd say, cause you've already buttered them up. And the next part of my pitch, I'd say, I believe I can add value to your audience on a few different topics as a, and that's when you insert your elevator speech, right? It doesn't have to be the whole thing. It can maybe just be one sentence as a public relations professional, or in this case, I'm a food person, right? So, you know, as a food supplier for blah, 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 blah. A few immediate topics that come to mind, and then I would bullet three out, and it would just be titles of topic, right? How-to tips for choosing ripe fruit, you know? When's the best time to buy fruit seasonally or and then whatever the third topic about fruit I should have picked anything but fruit another third topic about <laughs> fruit and then I'd be like you know what thanks for considering my request I look forward to hearing from you and then I always use gratitude at the end because people are receiving a million pitches they see so many generic bs messages but they never hear thank you they never hear many thanks so my um how I sign off every email is with a thank you my name, my phone number, my email again, and my website. Um, if I feel real sassy, I might include my Instagram link because people are going to stalk you if they're interested. So make it easy for them at the bottom of your signature. I never have um, a picture or anything else in my signature that might show up as an attachment. And I never attach anything to any of my pitches because there are a variety of media outlets. I would say every important media outlet out there. Um, they have their spam filter set. So if there's an attachment to an email, they see that as a virus. Your email will never make it to a person. But so oh, that's, that's, that's how I would pitch. I would start, you butter them up. You show you've paid attention to them. You show you've listened to at least an episode, at least read an article, you know, because people get, people are like, oh, I need to be on this podcast. And they send it to a person. They don't even know if they're fit. They don't even know what the podcast is about. They just think it's a big name they can add to their press page. And that's unprofessional and so uncool, really. It's just rude. Yeah. Like you, 
I'm sure you get pitched a ton of by people who are not a fit for your podcast. Oh, I get people say to me all the time, oh, well, you have a podcast. I want to be on your podcast. And it, my response to them is before I even ask them what they do or, you know, why I would want to have them on, I, I say to them, have you listened to it? If you haven't listened, please listen and make sure that I'm a good fit for you. That you right. think that my show and the messages that I'm sending out and the information I'm conveying to my listeners is a good fit for you. And I put it back in their court because I think it's really important. Like I'm not going to pitch myself to a podcast host if I haven't listened to their podcast because I want right. to know what their style is, what their communication style is, and really get to know like what are their morals, ethics? Are they, do they have integrity? All of those things too, because maybe I don't want to be a part of that podcast at the, right. at the end of the day. So I think it's really important to do your due diligence and really identify with the people that you're approaching or pitching to. Which kind of ties into my biggest pet peeve. And I think the PR fail that 99% of people make, even big brands. I, I, think, I think the big fail is that they don't have a plan in place for how to position and promote their offerings. So they take this shotgun approach to getting the word out about their product or service. And they pitch everyone under the sun or anyone that will listen. And they cast this very wide net. And they try to be everywhere and everything to everyone. And it might help them get their message out to one or two people, but really they're talking to no one. They're just everywhere and it's sporadic and they might be really, it's like exercising. If you want to lose 30 pounds, you start at the first week and go really hard, but then you're so sore, you never work out again. You have not met your goal. PR is the same way. You got to have a plan. It's slow and steady. I'm going to get my key messages and my elevator pitch down. I'm going to get my media list down. These are the strategic places I'm going to reach out and I'm going to consistently be reaching out and following up no matter how frustrating, how futile, if I never hear back, I'm going to keep reaching out to these people because I'm going to chip away at them till they cover me. That's just how it works. Um, you know, and then you, you follow that strategic plan and you get somewhere. If you do the shotgun approach where you're just reaching out to anybody, you don't have a plan, you just want some press hit to say you have a press hit, it's going to totally backfire on you. If you want to connect and convert your target audience with PR, you have to be strategic and have a plan and lay out your tactics and then stick to that plan and stay on your message. It seems super complex and really time consuming, but I promise it's very simple. Yeah. I think once you get into a routine and you've done it once or twice, then you just, you can kind of use the same templates and you can really formulate your plan in a way that makes it simple and not overwhelming. Yes. So, and I'm, I'm assuming, and I, I probably shouldn't assume, but so say let's just say I'm pitching to someone to be a guest on my podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I'm reaching out to an influencer and I really want to have them on my podcast because I think that their message would really resonate with my listeners. Yep. Is it the same process? Like, do you pitch the same way when you're pitching someone to someone else to be on say, or, or pitching someone to, you know, interview on your TV show, interview on your podcast or interview for your magazine. Is the pitch the same or is there a different strategy you use for that reverse role? No, it's exactly the same. In fact, here's an example for you. I'm a huge fan of Jamie Kern Lima. I probably just said her name wrong. She was the it cosmetics lady. She sold it for a billion dollars. She's like the shiniest bright spot in your day and a wonderful follow on Instagram. Um, but if you were pitching her, she'd be an excellent person to be a, a podcast guest for you. If you were pitching her, you'd say, hello, Jamie. Wanted to reach out because I'm a huge fan. Here's what I love about you. 
I think you'd be an excellent guest on my podcast for this reason. List out the specific reason why she comes to mind and why you want to have her. Not just, I need a really big name on my podcast. You know what I mean? Like have a real legitimate, sincere reason. Then it can be like, speaking of my podcast and me, introduce yourself, do your elevator speech. You know, really love to have you on. How can we make this happen? Can't wait to hear from you. And then you do the thank you. So it really is the same thing. It's the butter up method. Talk about them first. Talk about how great they are. Be very specific about one thing about them that's great. Then talk about yourself, but don't make it more than you talked about them with your elevator speech. Give them some insider ideas about what you might want to talk about. Put the ball in their court to reach out to you. Thank them. Have your contact information. Let it sit a day or two, and then follow up. And when I follow up, I literally just forward on my original email, change the FWD in my subject line to follow up, and then I have a really brief note. So if you're reaching back out to Jamie, be like, hello, Jamie, just wanted to reach out again. I know you're really busy, but I would love to have you as a guest on my podcast. Please see the information below. Let's make this happen. Then you just say, thank you, Robin. You know, and you have the other stuff below, but it's it's really that simple. It really is. And the great thing about follow-up is that one, you trick people into thinking that they were supposed to follow up with you, but also think of how many so many people pitch and they're like, no one responded to my first pitch. This is a failure. I will never do PR again. PR is crap. But the real thing is how many things did you try the first time that actually work? Riding a bike? Nope. Making coffee? Nope. Painting something? Probably not. Training your dog? No. Things take time. Things that are important take time. So with PR, you have to remember that you probably won't get a response to your first round of pitching. I've been reaching out to the same people for 20 plus years and they still don't respond to me on the first try. So with the follow-up, I probably get a 75% response rate. I don't get 100%, but I get more of a response rate. I have people actually thank me for following up because just like you and I, our inboxes fill up with so much stuff, whether we want it to or we don't want it to, good, bad, or ugly, you're going to try and respond to things and then it's going to slip lower and lower down your inbox as life happens. Everybody likes a good reminder. Unless they are an a-hole, then that's their problem. Yeah. Are you a businesswoman or entrepreneur who is transitioning into something new, into the second phase? Are you trying to figure out how to create an audience, how to grow a presence online, but you are stuck on the tech and the how-to? You have no idea how to attract new clients into this business. Don't worry. I am going to give you the exact blueprint on how to connect and grow your audience and attract more clients. During this brand marketing strategy call, we are going to go through the six pillars of success for your brand. This includes, but is not limited to online marketing, storytelling, relationship building, differentiation, visual branding, and genuine networking. Sit with me for an hour and let's transform your brand strategy. Or do you learn better in a group environment? Join me along with five other women just like you and collaborate and mastermind together in one of my popular mini brand mastermind sessions. In two one-hour sessions, each one of you will get 15 minutes with with me personally, along with a learning opportunity with each of your peers. We will go through each of the six pillars of brand marketing success, and I will help you strategize in all of the areas mentioned before. The next mini mastermind session starts May 6th. Here's what a mini mastermind looks like. We will meet for two one hour sessions. 
Three of you will go each week. I will personally guide you through high-level brand marketing strategies. I will then open up at the end of each session, 15 minutes for Q&A. And you will also have access to the private Facebook group to ask me questions at any time. In the Facebook group, you'll also have opportunities to network, to grow your referral source, and have accountability partnerships. This can be a great option for those of you who want to save money, but have the desire to elevate your brand. To learn more about either program, visit my website. You can find the brand strategy sessions at www.robingrahamphotography.com slash brand hyphen marketing hyphen strategy hyphen session or go to shop on my website. That's www.robingrahamphotography forward slash shop. And there you will find the mini mastermind sessions and you can register. I look forward to working with you. First of all, I love that because I've been doing it the right way. And (laughs) yay you. Phew, huge relief. Um, But secondly, I love that because um, I think the follow-up is something that is very intimidating. You think that, oh, well, they didn't respond, so they're not interested. But don't take that as a as a message of failure, take that as I still have another try. Right. You know, I, my husband has a saying, the only bad answer is a maybe. And I think what he's really trying to teach us all when he says that to me repeatedly is if someone says no to you, great. Then that, then you don't have to waste your time with that person anymore. You know, they're not the right person. You can ask them who the right person is, but then you can redirect your energy elsewhere. If someone says yes, that's awesome. You have coverage. If there's this maybe or the not hearing back, it's this weird thing where you just keep reaching out, reaching out, reaching out, reaching out, but you want to get to a yes or a no. Mm -hmm. There's no harm in reaching out. A lot of people are like, well, I don't want to bug people. If you're equating promoting your brand or something that you're passionate about to bugging people, you have a bigger problem than pitching. You know, you should be excited. Like I get the anxiety. We're nervous when we put ourselves out there the first time. Nobody wants to be rejected. No one is going to reject you. Yes, maybe a handful of times in the 25 years I've been doing PR, I have had journalists write back horribly mean, rude things to my pitches where I'm like, where did that come from? And I questioned myself as a publicist. That's their problem. And that's shit they need to own. That's not my problem. I'm doing my job. A reporter can't do their job unless they have stories or information coming to them. A media outlet has nothing to cover if you're not pitching it. I think people need to remember that. If someone's going to come back to you with a no, they're just not the right person. Find the right person. If someone's going to come back to you rude or mean, they might be having a bad day. Maybe you should write them back and ask them if they need a hug. Um, but I don't think you should ever be, but really, why be rude? Um, the, I actually have done that before. I actually did write back to a, I actually got a really mean, six years ago, I got a very, very mean email from someone at the Chicago Tribune. I will not name her. And I, I just, it was one of those days. I didn't need to hear it. She was so rude for no reason. I was writing to her about a charity. And I just wrote back, who hurt you? Was that necessary? Do you feel better? I sure hope so. Have a lovely day. I did not hear back from her, but I did hear back from one of her colleagues in passing at another event. And she's like, 
that was the best response I've ever seen. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I made a name for myself. I didn't get coverage for what I wanted, but there's no, it's a business interaction. We should all be professional. There's, there's no need for any meanness. And I'm not just saying, I'm not even talking about it to dissuade people. I'm just saying on the off chance that someone doesn't treat you as you would like to be treated, go back to kindergarten. It's not your person, right? Yeah. Treat others how you want to be treated. Play nice in the sandbox. If someone's not going to play nice with you, find somebody else or kick that person off your media list slash your sandbox. Yeah. I love that. So KJ, when you talk about having a media kit, are yep. the media kit, you basically, I think based on what I read in your book, you've kind of covered everything that goes into a media kit. Yes. So do you yes. want to just summarize that really quickly? A media kit is pretty much like your resume almost, right? But it's a resume for your brand. So it gives a high level overview bio of like you. It gives a high level overview of your brand. It has two or three images so people can be familiar about what you do. Um, it has all the key points about stats and figures, who might be on your board, the timeline of your brand, things that people would ask you in a media interview. But it makes it easy for people to get to know you, learn if they want to advertise with you, learn if some, you're someone you want to partner with. It's just a pretty colorful, high level overview brochure for your product, service, brand, or company. I love that. Okay. So can we dive into your five P's? Yes. I love alliterations and I know you've seen my five C's and my five W's and <laughs> I love alliterations. So can we dive into yours? Yeah, sure. So no matter what you're selling, um, people who are consistently successful follow the same basic steps. And so I call them the five P's and we've touched on them a little bit here, but the first one is position like successful brands and people know how they want to position themselves. And so exactly how to clearly communicate their value proposition to their target audience. They're able to do so clear and concise terms nothing gets lost in translation. So basically key messages, right? They position themselves. And then once they properly position their brand, successful entrepreneurs plan, right? So that's the second P. They lay out a strategic plan. They stick to their strategic plan. They know exactly where they want to go and the steps that they need to take in order to get there. And because it's clearly laid out in front of them, they might waver a little bit, but they don't go far from their plan because they're not chasing shiny objects. They're sticking to the plan. So once they position themselves, once they have a plan, the next P is to promote yourself. So if you're clear on positioning, you're clear on the plan, successful entrepreneurs are going to know they need to promote and they unabashedly day in, day out, know they need at least 14 touches with their target audience before they're going to make a sale. It might even be more as our attention, pan, as attention spans get shorter. But so they're pitching their brands, they're promoting themselves to anyone who's going to listen. Um, you know, it's what their target audience wants to read, write, watch, or listen to. They're making sure that they're there and showing up there all the time without exception. You know, the most important P, <laughs> the most important P comes next, and that's persevere. It can be a grind to constantly be pitching and promoting yourself. You're going to hear more no's than yeses. It can get very discouraging. But I think this is really what separates wannabe people from successful people. Successful people do not quit, right? They know that no matter what, they got to keep at it. They got to keep chipping away. Even if it feels like they're digging to China, you're going to eventually get to China. So, you know, a no is just another way of saying not right now or that you don't have the right person. So you go back, you try another angle and you open that closed door. You just stick with it and then you follow up. And then the final P is my favorite, probably because it's the last one, but you need to publicize. So once you've secured press, 
successful entrepreneurs, they don't rest on their laurels. They're not just good enough with that. They promote the heck out of that coverage nonstop and everywhere to anyone that's going to listen. So they have it on their social media accounts. They put it on their blog. They send it to their newsletter. It's on their website. You see it in their marketing materials. They're email blasting their customers and wholesalers, whoever's going to listen. You know, they put up signs and banners. They have logos that says as seen in or featured by on their products and their point of sale. And so they use this press to build up their expertise, to validate them as someone to know in the industry. And then they leverage it to get more press. And that's the P's. Position, plan, promote, persevere, and publicize. Those are fantastic. Thank and I, I especially like the last one as well, because I think people often forget, oh, I was on here. That's great. Now I'm going to leave this to everybody else to find it. Right. No, oh. share it everywhere. And sometimes I even think to myself, I'm like, because every time I want a guest on a podcast or if I have an article published, I, I share it all over the place. And I, I think people are probably so sick of seeing me put this stuff up. And they probably mm -hmm. think I'm bragging, but the reality is the more you tell people where they can find you in addition to your own website or your own social platforms, or hear that message that you're putting out there, the more that happens, the more likely they are to trust you. They're going to get right. to know you better and they're right. going to start your message is going to resonate more. So I think that's a really important component. Okay, but you said something that I really want to touch on, not to interrupt you, not to hijack your interview, but you said something that's really important. And I think it's a perception people have, and it drives me crazy. Um, that, the, that you're on something and then you'd put it out there for people to find, right? Or you worry that you're going to bug them or that you're worried that you're, they're seeing it too much or you're over-promoting it once you've been on somewhere. I can tell you that when I'm on this, when this podcast episode airs, um, I'm going to promote the heck out of it. I'm going to share it on my social media accounts. I'm going to send it to my email list. I'm going to post it not only on my social media accounts. Like if I do Instagram's my big one, right? So I'll do a big Instagram post, but I'm going to share it in Instagram stories. I'm going to share it on Facebook. I'm going to share it on LinkedIn. I'm going to send an email to my list. I'll probably write a blog about, you know, intro to what we talked about. And if you want to learn more, click here and put the link on my press page. I'm going to put the link in my um, LinkedIn profile. So not just only post a post on LinkedIn about it, but where it says, um, publications or the expertise area of your LinkedIn profile, you can put it down there too to showcase how smart you are. You know, I can link there and I make sure I do that. But then every day for the next two weeks, every day for the next two weeks, in case anyone missed that, I'm going to post it on my Instagram stories because that's my number one social media account. I don't care if people are sick of seeing it. I might alternate the images that go with it. But I'm going to keep promoting this because remember, 14 touches before people do anything whether it's listen, read, buy, I want people to see it. And as much as we think that the same people are hanging on our every word and listening to every single podcast and buying all of our products and caring about all of our posts, we all get busy and we might miss stuff or algorithms might mess with things and we won't see it. So you might post something today, I might not see it till next Wednesday. Or you might post something on Monday and if you did it in Instagram stories, I'm not getting to, to a Wednesday, I won't see it. Mm -hmm. keep putting it out there so much you see it all the time you might get sick of it to you it might be overkill I don't to your target audience it's not going to be overkill and if someone in your audience complains about it maybe they're not meant to be part of your audience yeah but also and you've then they've if they've complained because they're seeing it too much victory for you because then they're seeing it too much and that's right. we want them to see it too much and I think seeing it too much almost forces them into action. And that's what you yeah. want them to do. You want them to take the action to actually listen to or read whatever has, has 
media outlet you've been featured on. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And the media outlet appreciates it too, right? It is a gift to be allowed to be on this podcast with you. It is a gift to have another media outlet cover and share your story, to help you promote your message. We are lucky to have that. And as a form of gratitude, it is rude for you, one, not to thank the person profusely for having you on, but not to keep tagging them and promoting and helping them share their stories and grow their audience. That's just common courtesy. Why would you not do that? Yeah, I agree. And I, I've definitely had some guests where, you know, I interviewed them and great interviews, great content, and then they don't share it. And yeah, I'm like, well, I'm promoting you for free. Do you think maybe we could collaborate a little bit here? It's kind right. of frustrating. Puts, yeah. And it puts a bad taste in your mouth and they might've been like, your Oprah. And then all of a sudden they're not really your Oprah anymore. You're like, oh, you're not you're not fun and shiny and nice. You're just kind of a taker. Nobody likes that. Yeah. Don't be that. Exactly. No one wants to be that person. Don't be that person. Yeah. No, don't be a taker. <laughs> be a giver. No. Yes. <laughs> okay. So we've talked about a lot um, and I could talk to you forever. I want to put a plug in for your book, How to Be a Media Darling, because Yay. it is a great resource and you really do map all of this information out step by step which is fabulous. And I want to direct people to that. And I know it's available on, in, on Amazon as well as on your website. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Available um, on Amazon. But it's a great resource for those of you who don't have a budget to hire someone to do your PR. But I think the most important takeaway here is that PR is, should be front and center on your priority list, because if it's not, you're losing opportunities for free marketing Mm -hmm. that could get your name or your business noticed much quicker than if you're just sitting there thinking and waiting for people to come to you and find you on their own. Cause that's not right. going to happen. No. And it, and PR actually should be something you think about before running Instagram ads, before running Facebook ads or ads of any kind, because PR is free. Why wouldn't you check off all the free boxes to promote your business before you invest in something like advertisements where you're not going to see a return on investment? You're just, you're not, even if ads are as cheap as ads can be, there's just so many ads out there. And when you promote yourself on an ad, it's different than when good housekeeping promotes you as a wonderful interior designer or showcases your pillows, or if Martha Stewart was sharing your recipe, you know, there's, there's heft, there's weight. There's val validity, 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 I can never talk, validity to a reputable media outlet or a person of influence sharing your story, sharing your brand, name dropping you. You can't get that from an ad, but you can totally get that for free from PR. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so real quick, I, I have two questions that I want to hit on before we okay. wrap up. And one is um, a press page. Yes. on your website. Mm -hmm. And I know I have one and I actually, after reading your book, I have some, it's on my list now to update mine a little bit, but I have listed on mine, all of the interviews that I have done, whether I was featured in, um, magazine articles or podcast interviews, whatever, or blog posts, like they're all on my website. And then there's a link to the specific episode or article so that people can easily find it, get to know more about me, get to know more about what my message is. And then there's a blurb at the top that tells a little bit about me and how, you know, I love to be interviewed. And here's what I love to talk about, whatever. Yep. Um, 
And I think I have a picture of me on that page, um, but I have to go and check. <laughs> but, but now that you've said that, always have a picture. But can you give us just some tips? I mean, enough talking about my page, but the only reason I'm saying that is people can go look at that and get an idea. Um, and they can also look at your page as well. But um, what are some of the th key things to include on that page? Definitely your bio, right? The bio, not your long flowy bio, but the bio that you want people to use as an intro if you're on a podcast or if they're introducing you on a TV segment or if it's at the bottom of an article that you've written or an interview that you've been a part of in a publication or online. That short, succinct bio, how you want people to always think, talk, and act about you, that bio needs to be there and it should be easy to cut and paste. <clears throat> you also want to have at least one, but I like to have three different size. Um, just, you know, vertical, horizontal, whatever images that people can take and use right away. So if they need an image to accompany the graphics for their podcast or to appear in an article, they can take those. They don't have to bother you. Then I like to list out just like you have everywhere you've ever appeared, big, small, good or bad, you know, whether you love it or don't love it. Like, don't just put your highlight reel, put every press thing you've ever had because of those links, those clickbacks, everything gives you more validity. It gives you more have to it gives you more padding to your expertise and it helps elevate you plus it helps elevate you with the google gods to have all those clicks and people coming and going and doing stuff so you're going to want to have those on your press page um and then i like to have a way to contact mm -hmm. you know make sure that you have a con if you have a pure person that you work with make sure you have that person there if you want them to just contact you make sure you have your contact information there um if you're going to have a media kit that pops up in a pdf or is downloadable make sure you have it there um, but you can talk about the things you like to talk about. You can talk about whether or not you will travel, if you are available for speaking. You don't have to go on and on on this page, but it's definitely good to have a one-stop shop for people looking to see, okay, is this person legit? Or is this person legit and can I have them on my show, my podcast? Can I feature them in an article? Those high points covered. That's awesome. And the only thing that I think is really important to note there too is that it's almost like a page to brag on, like really promote yourself on that mm -hmm. page. Like it's not something that you should be embarrassed that that's on your website. Have no, it, it has your, to be on your website. Have it under your about section so that immediately when people click on that, they can find you on their menu or find that page on their menu and really promote the heck out of yourself right there to show that you can provide value no matter what the media outlet is, print, podcast, radio, whatever. Right. Because it's not a nice to have page on your website. It's a must have page on your website, right? Next to services or how people can work with you because they're going to look at how they can work with you. And then they're going to want to validate why should I work with this person? And if you have a coach that says work with me for $10,000 and then they have 50,000 media hits or customer referrals or references and stuff going on, on their press page, you're like, yeah, they're probably worth it. This person knows their shit. And if you have someone who's doing the same thing and they don't even have a press page, you'd be like, what is this, what is this person doing? You know, why have I never heard of this person? Are they the best kept secret ever? And they might yeah. be, but I doubt it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And okay, for my last question. Okay. So I know in a lot of your interviews and even on your social media posts, you talk a lot about Harrow help a reporter out. And yes. I subscribe to them. I think it's an incredible resource to find out what, what media outlets are looking for, what content they're wanting um, answers to, what content they're featuring in their 
whatever they're promoting or whatever they're writing for. So what is the difference between a media pitch, like we have been talking about, versus when you get that list of questions on Harrow and you send in a response to one of those questions? Is that a media pitch as well? Or is that answering a question? And what are the benefits of that versus a true media pitch? Does that make sense? Oh, yep, like no, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to differentiate the two. Yeah, and they're, they're different. I consider them both to be pitching, but they're different types of pitching, right? So if you're pitching any old media outlet separate from Haro, <clears throat> you get to pitch them however you want to, whatever you want to, that fits in line with what their beat is, what they cover, what their publication or outlet is focused on. With Haro, it is a specific reporter with a specific need, typically one question, and they want a very specific answer. So you don't go outside that answer. You literally write verbatim the answer you would want them to copy, paste, and print in their article or feature on their show or feature on their blog or talk about in their podcast. You verbatim write back what your response to their one question and you don't stray from that question. You answer exactly what they want for Haro and you're done. It's like the, I call it the laziest way to pitch yourself ever because it's a free resource that comes to you multiple times a day you can pick and choose which one you submit for. Um, tons of people do it. So, you know, you got to kind of be quick to the draw. If you want to submit to something, you got to kind of submit to it right away to get considered. But you write your answer, you send it off, and your work is done. It's taken you less than five minutes. And that's Haro. That's the beauty of Haro. And is that, like, when you don't hear back from someone on Haro, do you do the follow-up the same way you do the follow-up with the media pitches that you send out, or is this something you submit it and then if you don't hear back from them, you assume they didn't take your answer? The beauty of Haro is that they like to keep you guessing. So they give you no way to follow up. You can't follow up how you would traditionally. So you submit your answer and then you might hear something that might have follow up questions. More likely than not, you don't hear something, which is why I set Google alerts for myself, for my clients, for anything I ever submit Haro to, like if it's a specific topic, you know? Um, so I can see the alert when something pops up because they won't let you know that they've covered you for Harl sometimes. You'll just, I've had clients where they submit one question, they wake up the next morning and there are 20 media outlets and they're like, holy cow, she didn't even respond that she got my submission, but now I'm famous. Thanks, Haro. So Haro isn't one you can follow up on, but it is an amazing tool. And I highly recommend if you don't listen to anything that we've talked about in this whole podcast and you think PR is crap, at least get yourself on Haro. It's worth it. It's worth submitting for. That's excellent tips. Excellent. I'm so thrilled you were here because this is such valuable information. And I mean, really, guys, just from this episode, you could create a PR plan. You could have your PR up and running in a matter of hours after listening to this episode because KJ gave us so much valuable information. Um, I do want to, again, mention your book. How to Be a Media Darling. You guys should pick it up. It's um, a quick read, but it has so much value. I have so many underlined and highlighted statements. And I read it a couple months ago, but um, it's, it's really valuable. So it's a great resource to have just in case you missed anything from today's episode. Oh, thank you. But KJ, most importantly, um, where can the listeners find you and connect with you and learn more about you? Sure. You can find me on my website at kjblattenbauer.com. That's K-J-B-L-A-T-T-E-N-B-A-U-E-R.com or by following me at kjblattenbauer on Instagram.
And last but not least, I want to tell everyone about your new venture because to me, this is so exciting. And I think it's as, um, you know, the second phase podcast, you are, you've already had one second phase, but now mm -hmm. you're adding a whole nother layer to this. It's like a big chocolate cake that's layered with, yep. you know, you're putting the frosting on the top <laughs> right now with the cherry too. Um, I would love for you to tell everybody about your new venture that hopefully will launch summer or, or fall, depending on, um, everything. I'm at the mercy of production. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I am launching a dress line and it is called Vive and Joe. It is named after my grandmother and my mother. Every one of my dress styles is named after a woman in my life who's been very important to me or who has helped me out in a major way, become the person I am today. But all of the styles are, I don't want to say age appropriate because that's so wrong, but they are brightly colored dresses that are comfortable like pajamas. They are made from high quality fabrics. And best of all, if it's a strapless style or a strappy style, it has built in bra supports. So you never have to deal with trying to find the right kind of bra or a strapless bra that doesn't work. Um, the idea came to me just because I didn't have anything to wear and I wanted to be able to take stuff from the plane to brunch with my girls to a work meeting to date night just by switching out my accessories and so that's how all of my dresses are but it makes it easy to dress and comfortable and it covers it's a clothing line for women designed by a woman so I, it covers all the parts without being uncomfortable and just wanted to make women feel confident and happy about being dressed again but I also wanted everyone to look chic like they put in a ton of work to be glamorous but it's effortless you're literally just slipping on a dress and they're, they're great styles, but the one thing that I love from what I've seen of the messages you've put out, and again, this, this has been your PR for your dress company, um, that they are for everybody's style. Like you, you can wear them no matter what you weigh, how tall you are, mm -hmm. how short you are. Yeah. Because, you know, there are so many restrictions on everything every single day. Why, when you go into your closet every morning, should you feel excluded for something? The concept for these dresses came out of a frustration from not having anything to wear in my closet, even though it was full of things. And also because I was at a baby shower and a woman said, you always wear the nicest dresses. They're so cute. I've never been able to wear a dress in my life. They just don't fit me. And if, you're, if it's 2020 and you're a woman and we are literally by society standards meant to wear dresses and you can't wear a dress, that tells me there's something wrong with dresses. And so that's how the idea was came to me. You know, I can't, I hate pants. I hate pants. Can't imagine living life without dresses. Yeah. I'm I never leave way. my house. <laughs> I'm the same way. I, I love dresses. Mm -hmm. I love them. So again, KJ, you have found a need and you are providing the solution to that problem. And I just think it's awesome. You're an entrepreneur at heart for sure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So thanks again for being here. I really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was fun. If anyone has any questions, they can reach out anytime. And that's a wrap, friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. It will also help others find the podcast. I really look forward to getting to know my listeners. Will you please connect with me on Instagram? You can find me at the Robin Graham. 
You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as Robin Graham. And I invite you to join my private Facebook group, The Brand Marketing Insider. Please spread the word about the Second Phase Podcast. Until next time, remember to smile.